Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. I want to um, just kind of just talk to you guys today. Um, We're kicking off a new series. I'll give you the name of that series in just a minute. Um, But I'm not sure I've ever felt the urgency of a sermon series like I feel like this one. Um, and, and I just want to try to navigate through this and not rush through this message or through this series. I've, I've been in ministry now for 27 years, and I've preached a lot of messages. I've preached in our, in our 16 years um, as a church here at Destiny, I've preached a lot of sermon series. But I'm not sure I've ever felt a message and a series and a moment so pressing for this church. There's been many times throughout our years that I know that I've had the heartbeat of God when I've been preaching. But I I can honestly say I'm not sure that I've ever felt this confident that I'm preaching what I'm supposed to be preaching. Yet at the same time, in fact, even though I feel confident, at the same time, I feel so inadequate to preach what I'm getting ready to preach. And I wish I, I honestly wish I could like let you guys kind of see what's even turning on the inside of me. Give you just a moment. Last night was a very sleepless night. Um, in fact, I was up here late last night because just feeling this stirring and just kind of sitting in my office and just talking to the Lord about even today. But there's this incredible wrestling match that's happening on the inside of me and not wrestling because I don't want to preach this message or because I don't want to live it out. But this wrestling match because I feel the urgency, but I feel so ill-equipped to preach it. And so I want you guys, before I jumped in, I want you just to kind of hear what's happening on the inside of me. And so if I pause and just slow down, it's because I'm just really trying to capture what the Lord is saying to this room, to this church, to the body of Christ. You all know, if you've been here any time, our theme this year here at Destiny Church is called Kingdom Co., Meaning here at Destiny Church, we have been called by the King of Kings. We've been called by Jesus to be all about the business of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. It's not my kingdom, it's not your kingdom, not the kingdoms of this world, but we've been called by God to be about the business of the kingdom of God. And we cannot be, listen to me, we cannot be about the business of the kingdom unless we follow God, unless we follow in his footsteps. And so today what I want to do is I want to kick off a series that we are calling Follow. Follow. When I think of this, I think of the scripture in Matthew chapter 7. After Jesus had just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount, In Matthew chapter 7, he tells them, he's kind of given them this opportunity 
to have the kingdom way or their way. In Matthew 7, he says, and there's two gates, two roads. Which way are you going? When I hear that word, that's what I think for the body of Christ. Are we going to follow? So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. I want to read a passage of scripture for you that I want kind of to be a foundational set of verses for this series. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. And if you, um, I'm going to read one verse of this from the Amplified, but if you, if you ever want to read that message, read that set of verses from the Amplified Bible. But here's how it says it, how I'm reading it today. Here's how you can be sure that you've truly come to know God if you keep his commands. If someone claims I have come to know God by experience, yet doesn't keep God's commands, listen, it says he is a phony and the truth finds no place in him. You can, what he's saying here is you can set in church all the days of your life, but if you do not follow the way of the Lord, you are a phony. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. I want you to hear this last line. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying I am intimate but with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I want to ask you today, are you following in the footsteps of Jesus? Look at verse 6 from the Amplified Translation. I don't think this is on the screen. I just put this in here last night. But whoever says he lives in Christ, listen to what it says here. It adds, it says, that is whoever says he has accepted God as Savior ought to walk and conduct himself just as Jesus walked and conducted himself. What does this mean? As followers of Jesus, we walk like Jesus walked. As followers of Jesus, we talk like Jesus talked. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live like Jesus lived. As followers of Jesus, we are to forgive like Jesus forgave. As followers of Jesus, we are to love like Jesus loved. And before I go any further in this message, before we go any further in this series, I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I walking like Jesus walked? Let's ask it again. Am I walking like Jesus walked? Or another way we could say this is, am I living like Jesus lived? I want you to think about that. I want you just to kind of hold on to that for just a minute. In fact, let's just kind of close our eyes. And ask yourself that question as a moment of reflection. Am I walking like Jesus walked? Let's think on it. Father, as we get ready to dive into this message, I ask today that you give me clarity of thought. I ask that you just kind of direct my words. If there's ever a message or a series, or a moment that I wanted to be on point. This is it. So Lord, I pray that every single one of us in this room sense and feel the urgency of this moment. 
May we take it to heart what you're saying to us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So when Jesus was 30 years old, he started his public ministry. We see that in Scripture. And the very first thing that Jesus did in his public ministry is he took 12 men and he called them to be his disciples. And I believe that that is really what the church in its purest and truest form really looks like. It's small groups of people meeting together to follow after Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus, we see his first invitation to follow him. We see two sets of verses where he calls the first four disciples. I want to look at that today. Verse 19 and 20. And he said to them, follow me. Everybody say that with me. Say, follow me. And he goes on, it says, as my disciples, accepting me as your savior, as your master, as your teacher. But he listen, walking the same path that I walk. When Jesus says, follow me, that's what he's saying. Let me say it again. When Jesus says, follow me, here's what he's saying. As my disciples, follow me as your master. Follow me as your teacher and walk in the same path that I walk. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And look at verse 20. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting him and following his example. Follow me. These two words, follow me, they form a command that we see found in the Gospels at least 13 times. But you see this phrase happen many other times. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Following is really the foundation of Christianity. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. In verse 20, it tells us, and immediately, these two brothers, they, they accepted that challenge and they laid down everything. They considered the cost and they followed Jesus. And then if you look at verse 21 and 22, it says this, that there's two other brothers. And Jesus came and gave them the same invite. They were fishermen just like the first two. And Jesus gives them the same invite. But listen how verse 22 says it. Immediately they left their nets and their father. And they followed Jesus. What am I saying today? When you follow Jesus, there is a cost. When you follow Jesus, we lay down things to follow him. And they followed after Jesus. It's the same thing that happened in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, when Jesus invited Matthew to follow him. He said this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. Again, as my disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking in the same path that I walked. You want to know my definition of a disciple? We see it right here in the Amplified Version. A disciple is someone who accepts Jesus as their master and their teacher, and they walk in the same path that Jesus did. They do the same things that Jesus did. If you say you are a disciple and you are not doing what Jesus did, you are a phony Disciples, followers. And verse 9 ends with, and Matthew got up and followed him. 
Listen, Jesus' call to the four fishermen and to Matthew is the same call that we see happen in Luke chapter 14. It's the same call. This time now, it's to a large crowd. Look at verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. So this, this is the picture for me of the church. Starts out with individuals, and he asks us, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you follow me? And then we see the large crowd. And when I read this, this is what I see in the church today. Jesus has got a group of people that are kind of hanging out around him. But listen, he says, he turns to them and says, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to catch this. Jesus isn't just into the crowd. From the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is, in essence, shooting down the idea of the large crowd. He's trying to whittle them away, and he's saying, if you want to follow me, that's great. But if you want to be my disciple, listen to what he says. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, these are some tough words. And I think we just like to gloss over this part of Scripture. It's like we like to erase this part from our Bible. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. But listen, otherwise you cannot be my what? What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, if you aren't willing to abandon everything, you cannot be his disciple. He's not, there's, it's not literal here is what he's saying. I have to hate my wife. Because we see in scripture he teaches us how to treat our spouse, right? We also see that Jesus tells us, and we'll look at this in other, in other weeks of this series, but we also see that Jesus wants us to love others, right? So he's not saying literally, I have to hate Chris Ritchie. Sometimes. But no, no, but I'm saying... He's not telling me I have to hate Chris Rich. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is I can't put Chris, I can't put Brian, I can't put Doug, I can't put Tasha, I can't put my parents above him. He's saying if you want to be my disciple, you must put everybody else on a lower tier than he is. But listen to verse 27. And this is one of those verses we just kind of just forget teaching about. But if you do not carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does this mean today? What am I trying to get at today in this room? Carry your cross Follow me. You can't be my disciple. Jesus is saying, in order to follow him, you must abandon everyone and everything, and you must slay yourself. And that's exactly what the New Testament church did. They abandoned everything. And if you look at the, uh, the you had the 12 disciples, and then one of them betrayed Judas. But if you look at the 11 other disciples, all of them lost their life except one who's exiled. They abandon everything to follow Jesus. And here we are some 2,000 years later, approaching Easter weekend. And I wonder, how far have we wandered from this path, this call to follow Jesus? It seems to me that somewhere Along the way, amidst ever-changing social tides 
and ever-changing popular church trends. We've deviated from the original call of the Gospels to follow Jesus. Let me say it again. It seems that with all the ever-changing cultural tides and all the ever-changing popular church trends, we've deviated from the original message of the gospel and we've stopped following Jesus and we've minimized it. We've minimized the cost of following Jesus. I want you to hear me. I can literally stop right here. This is one of these parts that's wrestling in my soul. We've minimized the cost of following Jesus and now to be a follower of Jesus, Lord, forgive us. But we've made it to where all you have to do is accept a couple of biblical truths and say a little prayer and go to church every once in a while and you can call yourself a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I wonder, is our now I lay me down to sleep salvation prayers really doing anything? We've minimized it. And I think we're missing the mark. Our modern day definition of following Jesus looks very different than the first church, especially here in America. And please hear me today. I'm not throwing stones. I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm literally not pointing a finger at anyone. But my own heart has been literally wrecked by this message, by this study. So I have to tell you what I feel like the Lord is saying. For many of us, we attend church looking for the occasional motivational pep talk. And we say, I'm good. And we open our Bible even less than we attend church. And I'm going to tell you some stats here in a minute of how much the average Christian reads their Bible. And we serve in an outreach every once in a while if we have time. And I just want to tell you what we've made church today is a far cry from the devotion the followers of Jesus showed in the early church. In the early church there was no time for being half-hearted. And if you look through scripture, anybody that was half-hearted, they got called out. In the early church, it was all or nothing. It wasn't about playing games. Yet the truth is, we don't live in those days, right? We don't, we don't live in the early days of the church. We're alive in 2022, and our world today is much different than their world. We would have to admit that. A lot more pressures, a lot more... Times have changed, right? Maybe the word has changed right, right? Well, we've changed it. I mean, we've watered it down. So my question is, how do we define what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in 2022? How do we define it? You might be surprised to learn that the definition hasn't changed. To follow Jesus, to be a disciple today, looks the same today as it did then. Make Jesus master and Lord of your life and follow in his footsteps. 
and do what he did and love like he lived and forgive like he forgave. The cost to following Jesus today is no less than it was then. Again, Luke chapter 14. If you want to be my disciple, you must put everybody else below me. You must put everything else below me. And if you do not do that, and if you do not take up your cross, if you do not deny yourself, what he's saying here is you can't follow me. You can't be my disciple. And maybe some of you are in the room and you're saying, well, Pastor Chad, maybe I just don't want to be a disciple. Maybe I just want to be a Christian. Maybe I just want to be a Christian. Can I tell you, you can't be a Christian without being a disciple. The two go hand in hand. You cannot say I'm a Christian Because see, what many of us do is we really just kind of got scared by some pastor or something into thinking, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I'd rather go to heaven, so I'll be a nominal Christian. Listen to me, there is no room for that. You can't be a Christian without being a disciple. Let me say it this way. You can't sneak into heaven without being a disciple. You can't. You can't. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he took some steps to ensure that he would have some kingdom-minded followers. He took some steps to make sure that he had some kingdom-minded disciples following in his footsteps. And so what Jesus did is he gathered some disciples. He gathered some followers on a hillside in Galilee. This was kind of like a church meeting. And according to Scripture, and I'm going to show this to you, according to Scripture, there were three groups of people present at this gathering on this hillside in Galilee. The first group, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, tells us the 11 remaining disciples were present. The second group, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, you can look it up, tells us it's likely that on the, resur- on the ascension of Jesus, so what we have, the story we have here is Jesus is getting ready to, he's giving like his last message to the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 tells us it's likely another 500 plus witnesses were also present. But there's a third group that was invited to this meeting. Probably a little more indirect. But this group was invited. Who were they, you might ask? You and me. All Christians. From the beginning of time until today, from the first century church to today, we were invited to sit at this meeting on that hillside in Galilee. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 20. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when Jesus saw them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Look at verse 19. We'll come back to it in just a moment. But therefore, go and make converts. Is that what he said? Therefore, go and build big churches. Therefore, go and have cool worship experiences. Therefore, go and evangelize. Maybe we could believe that one a little more. A part of it. But no, Jesus says, go and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all. Everybody say all. All. All the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So how can I say that we were invited to be at that meeting? Because the very last thing he says here is, I am with you always till the end of the age. And the age hasn't ended. And we are living in that age. And we were invited to be at this meeting. And Jesus tells us, verse 19, the scripture, the line that is haunting me and keeping me up. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm not trying to be any of that. But this command is bothering me. This command is making me realize that I have failed as a father. This command is making me realize that I failed as a husband and as a pastor and as a leader and as a friend. And Jesus says, go and make disciples. And we failed Who is Jesus speaking to here again? He's speaking to the 11. He's speaking to the 500 plus, but he's speaking to us as Christians today. Think about this. The very last, some of the very last words, that language that Jesus uses, he says, go and make disciples. And sadly, we have to say, modern church, destiny church, those watching online, you, church as we know it, we failed at making disciples. We failed can't paint a pretty picture. We can't. We failed to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. A recent Barna study, listen to this, I want to give you some statistics. A recent Barna study of 832 church leaders, this was made up of senior pastors, lead pastors, and discipleship pastors, and over 2,000 Christian adults age 18 and older, okay? So 2,846 Christians were recently studied. And listen to me, it revealed that only 20% of Christian adults are involved in some level of discipleship. 20%. Let that number just sink in. What did Jesus say? Go and make what? And 20% of us are even involved in some level of discipleship making activity. But I go to church. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what he said. Of those 2,846 surveyed, 46% of them said they have a general desire to know Jesus more. 46% of Christians said they have a general desire to know Jesus more. 41% of Christians surveyed said they have a desire to be like Jesus. Hello. Why do we have problems in the church today? And those numbers might look a little bit better, but only 20% of us are involved in some sort of discipleship activity. And I know the argument could be, well, Pastor Chad, I'm not really involved in some group discipleship thing. I don't go to, I don't go to a life group. 10% of Destiny Church does, 10%. We say we need community, and 10% of us engage in community. 10%. Why do I feel so stirred? Some of you will say, Pastor Chad, I'm not in a life group. I'm not in a group Bible study. I don't sit down one-on-one with anybody to talk about the Word, but I read the Bible by myself. Okay. 
That may be the case for some of you, but another study of over 4,000 churchgoers. This is 4,000 people who call themselves Christians. Listen to this statistic. It revealed that only 19% of them read their Bible on a consistent basis. 20% of us are in some level of discipleship. 19% of us pick this thing up and read it on a consistent basis. And another study of over 2,300 churches from 15 mainline denominations found, listen to this, that less than 50%, it's not just all on the people sitting in the seats. A study of 2,300 churches from 15 mainline denominations found that less than 50% of churches in America have a functioning discipleship plan for the people in their church. We cannot paint a pretty picture We have failed. We have fallen short of doing what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. We've built big churches. We've seen a lot of people saved. We've had some really good Easter services. We've done some really cool outreaches. But we failed to make disciples. Disciples. We've sought after social media followers. We've built nice homes. We've padded our bank accounts. We've raised up good athletes in our homes. We've got kids that are academically smart. Our marriages stuck together, even though 50% of them end in divorces. Yet we've failed to make Disciples. We failed. And please hear me. I said it. I'm not throwing stones at anyone unless I can throw them back at myself. But the truth is we're falling short. And I want to change this. I want to change this here at Destiny Church. I... At Destiny Church, I want us to so passionately follow after Jesus that we can't help but make disciples. But full transparency here. This is why I said at the beginning of this message, I'm struggling. This is why I said at the beginning of this message, I feel so ill-equipped. Because I'm, we've pastored this church for 16 years and we've had conversation after conversation about how to make disciples. I talked to several pastor friends this week of, of larger churches. And I talked to a former staff member of one of the largest churches in America. And he told me, he said, Pastor Chad, he said we would sit in meeting after meeting talking about making disciples. And he said we'd never come up with a plan. We failed. Because at the end of the day, social media isn't about discipleship. Social media is more about, let's brag about how big our Easter service was. When I went to church conferences... I've gotten many an elevator and sat at many a lunch table with many a pastor, and I never was asked one time, do you guys have a good discipleship strategy? Never one time. And please hear me again, I'm not throwing stones. I never ask it either. But I did ask, how big's your church? Maybe we've got the wrong measuring stick of what success is in the church. 
So I don't have all the answers. That's one of the reasons I feel so ill-equipped to do this series. Because I don't have the answers. In fact, one of the things we're going to do is we are actually going to strategize all summer. And one thing I do know is discipleship is not a curriculum. It's not a plan. Discipleship is not eight weeks. Hey, I went to an eight-week Bible study. I'm a disciple. No. Discipleship is a lifetime of following after Jesus. So we're going to be coming to some of you, and we're going to ask you. We're going to put together a team of people that are going to help us figure out what discipleship looks like. Not just because I think sometimes what we do as pastors is we get in a room, and we think like pastors think, and we come up with something. But people that have nine to five jobs and work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, maybe it doesn't land with you. So we want to talk with you. But what I do want to do is, is for the next three weeks, I just want to give you three common traits that, that I believe true followers of Jesus have. Three common traits. We're going to look at them over the next three weeks, but we're going to use Ezra chapter 7, verse 10 for our key verse for this series. Ezra seven ten, And I want to finish up today. Ezra committed himself to studying the revelation of the Word of God, to living it, and to teaching it. That's discipleship. You know what discipleship is? Get in the Word, live the Word, teach the Word. That is it. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Hide it in your heart, live it, teach it. So three common traits. This week we're going to look just quickly at disciples, kingdom-minded disciples, put Jesus first. Number two, kingdom-minded disciples obey. That's next week. And number three, kingdom-minded disciples make other disciples. That's week three. So quickly for the next five minutes, and then I'll wrap up. Kingdom-minded disciples put Jesus first. Kingdom-minded disciples put Jesus first. And I know this might sound elementary, but this is the most important step. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to put Jesus first. How do we do that? How do we put Jesus first? Well, it starts by spending time with Jesus. And I know that sounds elementary, and I know that churches say it, and I know that we've preached it, but 19% of us have gotten it. 19. 19% of us in this room. Today, between the two churches, between Republic and Marshfield, we're going to have about, we're going to have about 1,000 people walk through our doors. Maybe 1,100. You know what that, you know what that means? That means about 150 to 200 of us are actually Spending time with Jesus. And we wonder, why am I anemic in my faith? It's because we're not spending time with Jesus. What's the word say? How does a young man keep his ways pure? By hiding the word of God in their heart. How do I put Jesus first? I gotta spend time with Jesus. And I'm not, and listen, Great kudos for coming to church. I love it. This is a part of discipleship. This is a part of the model, but this isn't it. But this is all we've made it. We've thrown all of our eggs into the Sunday morning I go to church basket. And we've put all of our money as churches into the I go to church basket. And we failed. I apologize. I repent. Please forgive me as your pastor that we put more money into this room than we have into discipleship. Forgive me. But this isn't it. This isn't the only answer. This is a part of the answer. 
But honestly, a true disciple spends a lot of time with Jesus. Just like any relationship, the more time I invest in the relationship, the more I get out of the relationship. Let me just give you some straightforward truth. Write this down. You cannot be anymore in these days. You cannot be a part-time disciple of Jesus. You can't. I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. I can't find anywhere in Scripture. In fact, we looked at even a couple weeks ago. In fact, the Bible says if we are part-time, that's called lukewarm. It says he will spit us out of his mouth. I can't be a part-time disciple of Jesus. And, and I said earlier, some of you just like, well, I don't want to be a disciple. I just want to be, I don't want to be a disciple. I just want to be a Christian. Well, you know why the name Christian even came about? It's only really mentioned three times in Scripture is because Jews... Calling themselves, they were calling themselves Jews, but as other people were coming into the faith that were non-Jew, they couldn't go around continuing to call themselves Jews. So they had to come up with a term. And in Acts, they were called Christians, but it meant disciples. It meant followers of Christ. That's what it means. You can't be a part-time disciple of Jesus. In fact, John 12, 26 says this. Listen to me. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. This verse is packed with meaning. Three things, three quick meanings from this verse. Number one, following Jesus is a choice. Being a disciple is a choice. If anyone wants, it's a choice. It's a choice. Number two, let me say before I go on to number two, let me just say this. Write this down. You'll be as close to Jesus as you choose to be. Let me say it again. You will be as close to Jesus as you choose to be. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you have anything in your life that you're closer to than Jesus? If so, you're not a disciple. That's strong language, but you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. Number two, following Jesus requires commitment. It's a choice, but it's also commitment. Again, John 12, 26, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must come and follow me. It's a commitment. Number three, discipleship, following Jesus is about relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's not about formulas. John 12, 26 again, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must come and follow me. And listen to what it says, and my servants must be where I am. It's about relationship. Mark, 13, Mark 3, 14, Jesus appointed the 12 whom he named apostles, and he wanted them to continually be at his side as friends. Following Jesus is about relationship. How close are you to Jesus? A disciple spends time with Jesus. A disciple spends time with Jesus. But not only does a disciple spend time with Jesus, but the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I fall in love with Jesus. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more time I fall in love with him. And disciples love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Again, Luke chapter 14, this time from the message translation. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must love me far more than he does anything else. That's what it's saying. If you want to be his disciple, you must love him more than PlayStation. You must, I just have to say that to my boys. You must love him more than sports. You must love him more than your spouse. You must love him more than your job, more than your bank account, more than friends. You must love Jesus more. It's a pretty straightforward verse. Anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus, here's what he's saying. You must love Jesus more than you love anyone or anything else. 
It's about being exclusive, and I close with this. The band can come back. Think of it this way. If I tell Tasha, I love you so much, you're the best thing that's happened to me since sliced bread. But then I also look at her and say, but I also love two other women just the same as I love you. Well, first of all, how many of you know, Tasha, I'm going to have a black eye and I'm going to be living on the street, right? I might not even be living. <laughs> it's, probably less than, it's probably more than a black eye. But no, what do you think she's going to do? She's going to say, figure it out or get out. Because when we made a covenant together in marriage, it was about being exclusive. Well, it's even more so with Jesus. It's about being exclusive. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Mark 12, 29 and 30. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? The most important commandment is this. Listen, Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen to me as I close. Do you truly, ask yourself this question, every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you truly love Jesus with all your heart? Is Jesus first? Is Jesus first? Let me ask you one more question. Are you wholeheartedly following after Jesus? Are you wholeheartedly following after Jesus? If you're not, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Jesus, I come before you and I ask you in these next few moments, Lord, I don't want to have an altar service. I don't, I don't want to just have some people raise their hands. step down here. Cameras, it might be a little dark. If you're watching online, that's fine. But I, I want to end with this before we sing. How many of you guys remember the game, Follow the Leader? How many of you guys remember playing the game, Follow the Leader? Raise your hand. So let's show our age. Follow the Leader. Well, Follow the Leader, I remember always trying to be the one that was the leader, right? That's always been my goal is to be the leader. But I remember being playing Follow the Leader you know, one thing you'd have to do is if you're the leader, you're hopping on one leg, everybody behind you had to hop on one leg. If you were doing spins and twirls, everybody following, you had to do spins and twirls. If you were saying, you know, weird things like, Chad is the best thing in the world, they had to do it because they had to follow the leader. Well, how many you know that Jesus is our leader? And if Jesus says jump, you jump. And if Jesus says love, you love. And if Jesus says forgive, you forgive. And if Jesus says go, you go. That's it. Jesus is our leader and we follow him. Wherever he goes, we go. Whatever he does, we do. However he lived, we live. He's the leader. We follow him. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. His name is Jesus. Follow the leader. His name is Jesus. It's not about getting into heaven. It's about following a leader. It's about his king and his kingdom. Follow the leader. Be like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Love like Jesus. We want to make a difference in this world. It's not about going to church. It's about following the leader.
You want to see your son, your daughter saved, your family saved? Follow the leader. You want to see healings happen in your life and in your body? Follow the leader. 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 I'm passionate about this. And we've fallen short and we've failed. But today I'm repenting and today I'm calling us to repentance. And I'm asking every single person in this room, if you say, Pastor Chad, I have failed at fully following Jesus. And some of you are right where you need to be in your grace. So listen, this is not one of those. But if you're a sinner and you don't know Jesus at all, this is for you. But if you're a saint and you say, I've fallen short of following Jesus and I've made other things more important, not always, but at times. Listen, some of you, you know what you make more important than Jesus? Worry, doubt, fear, anxiety. So this is it today. And if you've not put Jesus first always, and you said, Pastor Chad, I'm all in on putting Jesus first. I'm all in on putting Jesus first and loving him first. Because Ezra said, a disciple of Jesus studies the word of God. We put him first. If that's you, stand to your feet. I'm ready to put Jesus first. Stand to your feet. I'm ready to put him first. I'm ready to hold up that standard. Put him first calling you to account today, church. I've been called to account by God. I have been. My heart has been broken as I've looked at just my error in leadership. Not as a pastor, not communicating the gospel. I've always preached the gospel. But in making disciples in my own home, this church I've prioritized other things besides what Jesus told us to do follow in his footsteps and make disciples so I'm not asking anybody to come forward today I just want you to stand but I want you to know that this you can stand in this room but what matters is what are you going to do out there I told them in prayer this morning before church I, I, I want to finish with this story then we're going to sing this song and then we'll come up and dismiss you guys but I want to close with this story Tasha and I, we served at a church in Kansas City. And our pastor told us a story one time, and he actually put this in a book. But he told a story about a wedding he did. And in this wedding, he said it was a beautiful wedding. The bride and groom came forward, and he prayed over them, did the whole ceremony. And at the end, he said, you may now kiss your bride. And they, they, they went into covenant together, and they were married. And the bride turned and the groom turned and he said, I present to you. And they started walking out of the room and the bride got to the second or third row and there was a man sitting in, the, in that seat on the end. And she looked at him and she reached out and she grabbed him by the hands. And this was one of her ex-lovers, one of her ex-boyfriends. This is a true story. Kim, I'm not making this up. She stood him up and she kissed him on the lips and she said, I still love you too. And you know what I was saying about that this story this week? That's the church. I'll stand, I'm all in, but then we're going to go out there and kiss the world. A disciple stops kissing the world. And a disciple is exclusive with Jesus. So what are you going to do? It's your choice. It's your choice. Make that decision. We're going to sing this song. Let's worship. Make this your prayer. Make this your cry. Have a moment right now. Go to the cross. Kneel in the altar. Worship in your seat. Give us about three minutes here. Okay, can we do that? And let's just kind of just reflect on this moment. Have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the Lord. Listen, if you truly are, listen, 
Don't just rush out. Allow the Lord to dig. Allow the Lord to just kind of let this just kind of happen inside you. If you truly need to repent like me, like I've been like, oh God, forgive me. Come and kneel. Just take a moment. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.